You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, we're still on back to our roots. The title of the message this morning is A Spirit-Filled Life. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, 4 to 4 and 5, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 21. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Heavenly Father, just bless your word to our hearts today. Give revelation, Lord, to each heart as to what you want to say to the church today in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the greatest need that we have in our church is for every one of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This was Paul's answer for the Ephesian church. The same applies for every Bible-believing church today. We need to be led by his presence, his power, his influence, and his purpose. After all, it's his church. We're his people. We make up his church. And we're the people that he's supposed to be leading, directing. I want you to note that it's important to understand that being baptized with the Holy Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, are one and the same experience. It's not two different experiences there. These are two biblical ways of describing that great Pentecostal anointing upon the 120 disciples, followers of Christ, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And this is for every believer today. And likewise, the expressions baptized, verb baptism, or baptized in, with, 
or of the Holy Spirit, all mean the same thing. So don't get hung up on those words. It's just expressing the very same thing. I want you to notice a few important facts about our foundational scriptures that I've read so far today. This is a command of Jesus. It's not a suggestion. Okay? Be filled with the Spirit is a command of Jesus. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Okay? This is what the scripture says. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, this is a command of Jesus, not a suggestion. We have a choice to obey or disobey. As in everything in the Christian life, I have a choice. I could have chosen to go to church today or drop off to one of the banks and see if I could pocket a bit of money there. That's a choice. I could have chosen to do a whole lot of bad things today. Just because I'm born again doesn't mean that I don't have choices. Every day we make choices. It is to our advantage to obey. You know that? If God has commanded something, it is to our advantage to obey that command. It was Samuel who said to King Saul, who in his eyes and his mind, he thought he was doing a great thing. He was the king. He wasn't the priest. But he decided that he was going to make the sacrifice because Samuel was a bit late getting there. So he went ahead and did something that he wasn't supposed to do, although it would be a good thing if Samuel came and made the sacrifice for them before they went into battle. But when Samuel came and he saw what was going on, he said to King Saul, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. You find that in 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is not a command for one Christian or a certain group of Christians. It's for every Christian, every born-again believer are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. command is for all of us. It's a command for the church. Now, so maybe you're thinking, well, I, Pastor, I don't really believe what you're saying there right now. So I think I'm going to go across the street somewhere or up north or wherever. And I'm going to find a church that teaches that in a different way. Well, it's a command for the church. So as they say on CNN or, or Fox, 
Breaking news. Breaking news. The command applies to them also. You can't go to a church where that Bible-believing church where that command is not valid, valid. The early church, for your information, was the church. It wasn't a Pentecostal church. It wasn't an alliance or Baptist or Catholic or any other denomination. It was just known as the church. In fact, before it was called a church, it was called the way. And after man got into religion rather than relationship, and they started to walk in the flesh rather than in the spirit, they changed some things. Usually what happened, people walked away from the organized group at that time and started another organized group until we got what we have today. But the church of Jesus Christ is still the church, no matter what tag you put on it. You can be non-denominational, which in my opinion is a, is a denomination anyway. Independent. All of the other tags. But the command, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, be a born-again believer, be filled with the Spirit. And if I had a billion dollars and you could prove me wrong, I'd give it to you. I'd have to pray for it, yeah. The Bible is God's word to the church. Change your church name or denomination. Doesn't matter. The word of God don't change. And I can say what I like. But the word of God don't change. And that's why I'm always telling you folks, check it out in the word. Check out what I'm saying. And don't be afraid to call me up and, or come into my office and say, Pastor, you said this on Sunday. I want to know. I've always been taught something different. Show me in the Word, and I'll take you to the Word. You know the reason I use so much Scripture in my messages? Because it takes me off the hook. I can make blunder after blunder after blunder, but God's word is truth. And when I tell you, when I show you what the word says, then, hey, don't blame me. God said it, not me. So there are some reasons to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Power to witness to teach, to preach, to testify, all of these things, to be. Do you know that many times the way you act, the way you carry yourself, 
in, in, in the community, in the home, is a greater witness than anything that comes out of your mouth? That's the message that I'm going to preach, not next Sunday, but the next Sunday. By the way, we are gone. Uh, John and, and, and Shannon and Effie and I are going to Banff this, this week for a, a uh, minister's gathering down there. And uh, so uh, we won't be home back until the, the weekend. And I've asked Mark McMillan to preach the word next Sunday. So that's going to be a treat for us. Some of us have heard Mark preach many times when he was youth pastor here many moons ago. But uh, praise the Lord. Uh, so, uh, uh, but we'll be, back on, we'll be back on Sunday as well. Um, so in Acts chapter 2, they were baptized or filled with the Spirit. And that was the power to be what God had called them to be. A spirit-filled Peter preached a message which convicted the hearts of his hearers and 3,000 souls were saved and baptized, water baptized in one day. Now that's, that's pretty good. I'll take that any day. The spirit-filled life comes with a prayer language mainly for self-edification. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, builds himself up, encourages himself. It's amazing. When, when, there, when you're in worship and you begin to worship God and you begin to worship in a language that you don't know, how it builds you up in the spirit, building up yourself in your most holy faith, Jude says in Jude 1.20, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Paul said that we can pray with our understanding and pray in or with the Holy Spirit. We have an example of spirit-filled praying, a spirit-filled prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 33, let's break in on their prayer meeting. Listen to that. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch forth your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders. And the 31, verse 31 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. These were people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit, but now this is an, another filling, an infilling that comes upon a person for service. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They had asked for boldness. But now with this fresh infilling, they went out and they were boldly proclaiming the word of God. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them. Folks, that's what happens to an individual or a whole church group that gets together and prays and seeks God with a whole heart. We can pray for boldness to speak the word with power to see results. 
spirit-filled life can produce a radical transformation in your life. I know. I was born again for nine years before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. I craved for it. I longed for it. I heard people speaking in tongues, and I saw them manifesting the other gifts of the Spirit, and I just longed to have that in my life. And oh, I don't know how many times the devil beat me up over that. Well, you know why you don't have that. You're not as good as they are. You know, they are born again, but you're not. You just said those words, but nothing ever happened in your life. But oh, one night in a camp meeting, on a summer night in a camp meeting, I ran to the altar and knelt at, at the altar and I wasn't there five minutes before I was speaking in a language I never knew. And I kept speaking and speaking and speaking for over a half an hour, probably more. And when I opened my eyes, I saw my pastor, the church that I had been in before I was in this other place. I won't go into that. But when I opened my eyes and I saw a man, I said, oh. I could have had this nine years ago. But oh, I, had, I was listening to people. I heard so many different experiences. That the way people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what happened to them and what they felt and all these things. And none of these things happened to me. I just knelt down. Believe me, I had tried many times before. I told you about times when I was slain on the floor. The old devil rebuked me and said, you tried to do that. And I just believed him. But this time, I wasn't, none of this other stuff, just kneeling, and the Holy Spirit filled me. And so, to me, it was like I had gotten saved all over again. I had a new vim, a new vigor, a new, a new desire to serve God and to witness. Like it was just so completely different. And that has been with me ever since. Spirit the spirit-filled life can produce a radical transformation. We see it in, in the life of Peter. Basically, the only word we can find for Peter before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit was a coward. When they were taking his Lord away to be crucified, he denied before a little servant girl that he didn't know. Jesus. And we just talked about how after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he preached a sermon, and 3,000 people got saved and baptized in one day. That's a change. That's a change. 
Then we can look at the life of Paul. He was a hater of Christ. He wanted to stamp out Christianity before it really got started. He was changed to a lover of Christ, an apostle of Jesus Christ, preaching the word and teaching the word. And much of the teaching that we have in the New Testament is from that man's inspired, anointed writings. Amen? After you have been filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts begin to flow in your life. You know, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and then you run, get cold, because it's always a choice. You can back, get baptized one day in the Holy Spirit and never do another thing. Say, man, that was great blessing. Oh, it felt so good. The Holy Spirit just took control of me and I began to speak in tongues. Whoop-de-doo. If that's all you've done, you've got nothing. What have you been doing since? And so, a lot of people can talk about that wonderful experience they had five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but they're dry as a bone right now. They haven't spoken to a soul about Jesus for 20 years. Something's wrong, folks. That's not what being filled with the Spirit is about. It's not something that happened way back then. It is something that is happening in my life right now. And I've been on both sides of the scale, folks. I've preached dull, empty messages with no results. But I know what it is to preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and it touches my heart and it makes me alive and it makes the people that are listening alive as well. When you're filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit, you may have the ability to prophesy, give words of knowledge or words of wisdom. You may have the ability to operate in faith, healing, tongues, and interpretation. You may operate in discernment of spirits and in the working of miracles. But listen to this. God chooses what gifts he will give you. And we need to appreciate the gifts that God has given the church. Everyone prophesies and no one uses any of the other gifts. It's only going to be in one direction, a one-directional church. We're trying to encourage to have our church go off in all directions. Everything that the Holy Spirit has for his church needs to be in operation in this church. And no one gift is more important than the other. 
Every gift is important so that the church can grow and be productive in the community. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God. The one, same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the spirit, same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles by, by or to another's uh, prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. Amen? It's the gifts of the Spirit. And so we don't choose. We don't choose. God chooses. Amen? And so you appreciate what each one has. The church is strengthened when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are manifested in the church. We have a clear pattern for a full gospel church service in Corinthians chapter 14. If we are spirit-filled and adhere to the pattern, we need not be afraid of crazy manifestations. Okay? It'll take the flake out of it every time. But we've got to be true to the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 26 to 33 and 39 to 40. Whenever you come together, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Building up the church. That means building up the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, you need to understand, you need some deeper teaching in this, because you need to understand that what you hear on a Sunday morning in this church is worshiping, is prayer language in tongues. That don't call for interpretation. Okay? But if somebody stands and gives a message in tongues, an utterance in tongues, everyone else is quiet. And one person gives an utterance in tongues. That person must interpret. If not, Someone else in the congregation will have the interpretation. And you don't have to feel compelled 
that you have to give the interpretation. But if the Lord, if the Holy Spirit leads upon your heart the interpretation for, for that, that message in tongues, you give it. Now, the order is, if nobody in the congregation has an interpretation, and you who gave the tongues has no interpretation, then you remain quiet. You don't do that anymore. You pray to God for the interpretation. And when you have the interpretation, when you have the gift of interpretation, then give your message and interpret it. That's the word of God. And that's what I'm saying. You come to me and argue, you don't argue with me over that. That's in the scripture. Amen? That's the scripture. Okay. Uh, interpreter, where am I? Let two or three prophets, verse, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that you may all learn and all may be encouraged. But that doesn't mean that if we got 120 people in the audience, all 125 people will prophesy this morning. Listen to what it says. Three, but if something is revealed to another, the first one must keep silent. You know, you, you got to be able to know what the Scripture says and then to obey the Scriptures. And the last thing we want to do is put God in a box. You can't do it anyway. But if you try to do it, you'll quench the Holy Spirit and you will cause nothing to happen. And I don't want that to be said of Cold Lake Community Church. We are a spirit-filled church. We are heading towards some great things in the spirit. And we believe that God is going to do even greater things. Verse 39, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Do not forbid to speak with tongues and let all things be done decently and in order. Paul is describing a New Testament church service. And notice that it had three components. The word of God, a word of instruction, teach. Okay. Worship of God, a hymn, spiritual songs. Okay. We do that? Sure we do. The gifts of the Spirit, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. The gifts of the Spirit operating in the church. Don't be afraid of it, folks. Let the Holy Spirit manifest the gift that he has given you. A biblical sound church will also have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit operating in a decent and orderly fashion. And I can promise you right now that we will not get to a place where there's chaos in Cold Lake Community Church. Myself and my board and my elders are here for a very specific reason, to make sure that everything is done decently and in order. The evidence of the spirit-filled life, the words be filled 
in the ongoing, ten, in the ongoing tense could be translated, keep on being filled. We need to be filled with the Spirit daily. We have to keep being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit produces a transformation in the heart and the life of the Christian. There will be visible evidence of this transformation in a Spirit-filled life. Jesus said, therefore, by their fruits you will know them, Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, he said, for the tree is known by his fruit. True Christianity is evidenced by lifestyle. True Christianity is not evidenced by somebody speaking in tongues. True Christianity is not evidenced by somebody prophesying. True Christianity is not evidenced by some of the things that we do in worship, like raising our hands or dancing or shouting. That's not true Christianity. That's a, a fruit of true Christianity, but anyone can copy that. Do you understand that? There will be evidence that a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. This evidence will be seen in different areas of our lives. Ephesians chapter 18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not be, uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're going to be in the flesh long before you get drunk. You hear me? You're not going to touch the stuff in, when you're in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. It's when you get in the flesh, that's when you succumb. Ah, uh, come to the bar, have a Coke with me anyway, just a Coke. Well, seeing I'm here, I might as well have a beer. Ah, uh, well, that one went down pretty smooth. I guess I should have another one. And before you know it, someone is leading you home. You can't even walk. You're in the flesh. But you got in the flesh long before you took your drink. Believe me. Be controlled by the, to be controlled by the Spirit is the opposite of being drunk on wine. A person is drunk, who is drunk is under the influence of the liquor. They do not have control of themselves. When a person is drunk, everyone can tell. His or her actions make it obvious. Drunk, drunkenness and spirit-filled people have this in common. They are both controlled. One's controlled by the alcohol. The other one is controlled by the Holy Spirit. In like manner, our lives should be so completely under the Spirit's control that our actions and words show beyond a doubt that we are filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled Christians are controlled by the Spirit of God, not by force, but by choice. They surrender themselves to His control. This is always a central issue of life. Who's in control of your life? We give Him control of our tongue, our thoughts, and our temperament. Our loved ones, 
need to see this evidence in our lives. If they see mom and dad doing things in the home, in the flesh, and never see them walking in the spirit, how are they going to know? You send them off to college. You send them off to university without any knowledge of what a real spirit-filled life is like. And an ungodly professor pumps all kinds of ungodly teaching into their minds. And they come out and you wonder why. Why did my little girl, why did my son turn away from God, turn away from the church? Do you understand the awesome responsibility as parents we have to instill with them in the home what it's like to have a godly mom and dad? The spirit-filled Christian is unwavering in his or her daily walk with God. His or her faith does not rise or fall with emotion and circumstances that they face. Spirit-filled worship of God, the Spirit-filled life is a fountain bubbling over with joy. He who believes in me, Jesus said, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly, his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. Spirit-filled Christians are joyful and worshiping people. Christian joy and worship is not a shallow emotion. Worship creates an atmosphere in which God is free to work. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And with this, I'm closing. Spirit-filled Christians worship because God is worthy not because they feel like it. You see someone raising their hands in church this morning. Ten to one. That person maybe didn't feel much like worshiping with entering in this morning. But as we began to sing the songs, they said, devil, I'm going to get victory over the things that are going on in my life today. And so they raise their hands. They worship. Not because they want to, but because they know God. And they know that he's loving and he's kind. And he wants to do something in their lives. Worship creates an atmosphere in which God is free to work. Spirit-filled Christians worship because God is worthy. For us, worship is a celebration. We are filled and thrilled for all that God has done. We give praise and thanksgiving to God for what he has promised to do. Even if we don't have it yet, 
Even if we don't see it yet, we see it by the eye of faith and we praise him because he has promised. When we are being filled with the Spirit, there will be sufficient evidence to prove it. The evidence will be seen in our daily walk. We will encourage each other as we pray and sing and glorify God together. We edify one another with prophetic words and with other spiritual gifts. Finally, in verse 21, we are commanded to submit ourselves to one another. What does this mean? It means to yield, to prefer one another above ourselves. It has the same connotation as I open the door and you go first. We're putting someone else first in our life. We don't butt in line. If there's 20 people in line, you're the 21st. And if there's someone who is probably not as agile as you are, like say Troy and me, I say, Troy, you go ahead. It's saying, I'm rooting for you. I want you to succeed. Do not be drunk with wine, which is overindulgence, but be filled with the Spirit. It's much better. It's more rewarding. And it leads to success in life. How about it? You want to be filled with the Spirit? It's a choice. You open up to him. It's a gift. You don't have to beg him. You don't, you don't have to plead him. You just receive it. Amen? What do you want the Lord to do for you today? It's 1150. We've gone way, way over. But praise the Lord. We've got the word and we've got everything that the Lord wanted me to say today. I've said it. Didn't cut nothing out. Amen? The Lord bless you. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.